Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for November 15th is Luke 24 and John chapters 20 and 21. We are finishing up the Gospels today. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, Joanna, and a couple others went to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body. The body wasn't there. The stone was rolled away. They were perplexed. And all of a sudden, two men dressed in dazzling clothes appeared to them. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? So often Christians look in the wrong place. We have these prayer requests and we want God to move, but we're looking in the natural realm where spiritually people are dead for the answer to God's prayer. We need to be looking to the spiritual realm, the heavenly, where God is living and active and at work. Stop looking for the living among the dead. Start looking for the living among the living. We don't go to the graveside to meet our Lord. He is here with us. He's in our hearts where the life blood flows through us. In verse 10, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. Apostle means one who is sent. Disciple means follower. And this transition has now taken place where the disciples, the followers, the students have now become the teachers, those who are sent out. They were following and now they're being sent. There needs to be a transition for a lot of believers to stop following and start leading. It's a natural progression. If you want to be an effective leader in the kingdom of God, in corporate America, or anywhere else, start raising up leaders to replace you. Replicate yourself. You cannot effectively move up and on unless you have somebody to fill your position. God is calling many of you today to begin mentoring others, to learn how to disciple others. We will always be Jesus' disciples, but we need to be like the Apostle Paul who said, follow me as I follow Christ. It starts with being a disciple, but it doesn't end there. Next, we see the story of the two on the way to Emmaus, which is a village seven miles outside of Jerusalem. They're discussing and arguing about these things, about this account that Jesus has been raised from the dead. They don't believe it for themselves, and they're discussing the scriptures, but they don't really understand all that they're talking about when Jesus appears and walks with them and talks with them, and they're prevented from seeing who he is, but their hearts are burning inside of their chests, which is the Holy Spirit bearing witness to them that the words that they're hearing are true. Many of us experience that today when we hear someone teaching the truth. Our hearts are stirred up. We feel the Holy Spirit burning within us, yearning, affirming that what we're hearing is accurate and true. This is just one way God confirms his word for believers. Jesus shows them what true biblical teaching should be like. In verse 45, it says, He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. In this day and time, God is calling all people to open up their Bible and allow Him to open their minds to the truth of what the Scriptures are saying. 
we must be willing to lay down the false doctrines that we've acquired over the years. We don't know that they're false until we are confronted with the scripture that's telling us something different than the things that we've believed. We've all been led astray. We all need the inspiration and correction of the Holy Spirit and of the Holy Scriptures. If you're not receiving new revelation, perhaps it's because the foundation of a particular aspect of your belief is a faulty foundation. You cannot build a skyscraper on the foundation of a two or even three story single family home. The foundation won't hold it, and the same is true with our understanding in faith. In order to build that skyscraper where the single-family home once stood, you must remove the single-family home, remove the foundation it was built on, and dig down deep into the earth to have enough support for a 40- or a 50-story building. Jesus uses the analogy of a foundation for a home for good reason. It's a spiritual principle that he's trying to reveal to us so that we will understand the importance of knowing the truth and acting in accordance with the truth. John 20 gives the account of Peter and John listening to the testimony of the women and running to the tomb to get their and see it for themselves. John got there first, but Peter went in. He's trying to make some sense of these things, and when John goes in, it says that he saw the wrapping that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths that were around his body, but the wrapping was folded up in a separate place by itself. Keep in mind, it was also John who penned this gospel, the gospel according to John, and he saw it with his own eye. Some unbelievers might say he was lying, but who do you know who would willingly give their life to defend a lie? John and almost all of the others gave their lives to defend the truth. They swore by it, and they were killed for it. If they were lying, they would have just recanted their stories. Yes, there are terrorists, and there are suicide bombers, and there are other people throughout the world who are dying for what we know to be lies, but they don't believe their lies. They're dying for what they believe to be true. John was not crazy and he was not trying to kill people, but he was sharing exactly what he saw with his own eyes. And when he went into that grave, he saw the head cloths taken off and folded neatly and placed down. If somebody had stolen the body of Jesus Christ, they wouldn't have taken the time to fold those grave clothes. They probably wouldn't even have stripped those grave clothes off. When John saw it, he immediately believed the women's account that Jesus had indeed been raised from the dead and that he was alive. The disciples went back to where they were staying. Mary stayed by the tomb weeping, not really sure what to think. She hadn't seen Jesus yet until he appeared to her. She thought he was the gardener at first until he calls her by name. He must have said her name in such a way that she immediately recognized his voice because instantly she changes from despair to one of great surprise and joy as she exclaims, Teacher, 
Jesus tells her, go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Jesus is telling her there and us now that he is our brother. We are his co-heirs because we've been grafted into the family. We've been adopted, to use Paul's language. Paul says we cry out to him, Abba, Father, which is like saying, Daddy, do you see the clarity of Jesus' message to you? Go and tell my brothers I am going to our Father, my Father and your Father. The enemy does not want you to understand the weight of these words that you are the sibling of Jesus Christ, that you are the brother or the sister of the very Son of God. Because if you understand who you are in Him, if you understand that God is your Father, you will have an impenetrable faith. There will be nothing that you cannot accomplish when you understand that you are a child of the Most High God, that He is your Father. He's your dad in a very real sense, even more so than your earthly father is or was. The Heavenly Father is your dad. Jesus later appears to the disciples. They're locked in a room, hiding from the Jews because they are afraid. Jesus appears in their midst, like he teleports in there. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. Because you're a son. Because you're a daughter. Because you have the commissioning from heaven to walk in the authority of the king. We are carrying forth his dominion, the kingdom of heaven, the king's dominion. And that's what the last verses of John chapter 20 mean when John writes, Jesus said and did these things and many other signs in the, pre in the presence of the disciples. And they're written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Life in his name. Life is vitality. It's being animate. It's being active. Of having energy in his name. He did these things so that you would believe that you would have life, which is energy, in his name. And of course, we know name means authority, in alignment with his cause, in alignment with his character and reputation. These things were done and recorded for us that we would believe and that we would have energy and vitality in the cause of God and of Jesus, our brother. What is it he's calling you to do? What is it that you are passionate about? He's placed those things within your heart, how we need to seek him. One of the ways that we'll seek him is through our discipleship groups. 
you're interested in being discipled and discipling others, fill out a contact request at BibleInOrder.com slash contact. Go to BibleInOrder.com, click on the contact page, fill out a form, join a discipleship group. It's not enough just to read the word. We have to live it. We have to let God use it and partner with him to change this world. May God bless you. Thank you for being on this journey with me. I am excited about partnering with you guys in the discipleship of nations. We will see you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested, I am a real estate specialist, a senior real estate specialist, and a strategic listing specialist in Southwest Florida, helping buyers and sellers of real property. And I partner with a team of agents currently in 16 states. We're always looking for new real estate professionals to join our growing brokerage of Call It Closed International Realty. Find more information about working with me in real estate, whether you're a buyer, a seller, or a real estate professional at agentdaviddoty.com. Thank you so much for your consideration.